Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the final stage of the Vuelta presented by Zwift. Now, this isn't the Vuelta recap. We'll do that in full tomorrow. This is purely the recap of stage 21. Not much to talk about, really. Although, much, much better, I think, than <laughs> the sort of Tour de France Champs-Élysées stage for a number of reasons related to the riders. 96 kilometres long, and it's a little bit uphill, this finish. It's not it's not perfectly flat. Of course, no categorised climbs. There is a bonus sprint with about... 47 kilometers to go and before the stage Enric Maas was in fifth I think on the in the points classification only a few points behind Avonapol and Mark Soler uh, and so he and there's points UCI points available for third in that competition so we'll see what happens at that intermediate sprint uh, but before we get into it a word on our show partner, Zwift. As you will have seen, plastered across the internet, the Zwift Hub has been announced, available on October 3rd in the UK, Europe, North America. Make sure you check out uh, Zwift.com or Zwift's YouTube channel or indeed the third-party independent reviews from the various cycling tech people on YouTube, for example, to find out more information about the Zwift Hub and in case or when it becomes available in more geographies, um, you'll be up to date on what I think is the most competitively priced uh, trainer value for money proposition in the market. So go and check it out. Or indeed, if you want to try Zwift, if you already have a trainer, go to Zwift.com for your free seven-day trial. But the showman of the day, Benji. Uh, oh, no, actually, sorry, sorry. There's a ceremony. Is there anything? <laughs> I'll out myself. I wasn't watching. Is there anything of interest that happened in the ceremony? Obviously, they were celebrating the myth, the man, the legend, Vincenzo Nibali. Obviously, that's the name I'm going to pick out of the two. <laughs> out of uh, Valverde and Nibali, both are being celebrated as their last Grand Tour stage here. So pretty cool to see that they've got this celebration going on for people that are retiring. Somewhat different to what... Uh, and I think Dowsett had at the Tour of Britain where their stages got cancelled where they were supposed to retire. This is different for these riders. Um, I think Valverde got to ride like an entire lap at the front of the race as well. Dennis did that as well. I don't know why, but that happened. Then the celebratory things where Quickstep takes a picture with Remco in the middle and so forth. But anyway, all that stuff aside, nobody crashed while celebrating at the back, so that's a win. And we didn't have severe crashes anyway. I think Craddock went down once. And that was mostly it for crashes for the day. So that's good. I think Nibenhuis as well at a certain point as well. But we came into the circuit. This is where it gets interesting. Let's be honest about it. This is where the uh, tempo starts rising in the peloton. Last 40, 50 kilometers. And we get a break of two. Luke Plapp, Australian NC. That jersey, oh, I love it. Australian NC jersey is the best jersey in the peloton. There's nothing anyone can do about it. And I'm sure Patrick's surprised that I'm celebrating the Australian NC jersey like that. But uh, hey, I guess I like the colors. 
anyway, outside of that, Julius Johansson also in there. So two riders with, I think, um, track history, both in the break here, both of them pretty fast on the flat if they put their minds to it. So they kept that up for a bit. They significantly opened up a gap until a massive 30 seconds at its peak, I'm pretty sure. But uh, that's basically it for the breakaway. They kept that up for uh, a lot of the race. And uh, is there anything else we can say about this race before we get to the sprint, or is that kind of it? <laughs> Not really, just Mars, yeah, leapfrogging, winning the IS. That means he gets an extra 20 UCI points for Movistar. Um, and that means Carlos Rodriguez didn't oh, leapfrog Aaronsman. Yes. I don't think. Did he try? But we might have made a mistake, or I might have made a mistake, by assuming that there's bonus seconds there. I'm not actually 100% sure if that intermediate sprint had bonus seconds in the first place. I think if it they does. did. Oh, okay. Well, then he missed out, I guess. Yeah. It says <laughs> B on the LFR profile. Oh, uh, on okay. PCS, so it must be a bonus gate. Anyway. The, re the circuit here is unlike the Tour de France circuit where they do the big loop around the Arc de Triomphe. They don't rub off as much speed. They're still pedaling through there. This has a number of hairpin, uh, not corners, sorry. Hot, it's, it's like a hot dog crit. It's like the Noosa crit. And then when, so when I saw Luke Plapp doing well, I was like, of course he's doing well. It's like a Geelong Bay crit or a Noosa crit. In the summer in Australia <laughs> in the Australian National Champs jersey. So that's, that's why the Australian National Champs jersey nearly won this race and because he's got a big engine but yeah those corners they rub off so much speed the peloton has to break so much and then kick out of it guys are literally almost unclipping at the back of the peloton in these corners and they're both trackies i think and so they were they're in this praying mantis aero position um we ain't so illegal on it it, I don't know. We ain't we ain't snitching on Luke Black on this part. Actually, it's this will go up. It's only only if you put it on Twitter during the race, people get done afterwards. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's weird how what's his name Richardson got done for us slightly maybe worse position in Turkey or something last year for resting his forearms on the bars. Um, this they still got the hands semi available to the hoods. I don't know. It's it's all a mess and. <laughs> I'm about. I'm announcing my retirement for some, from something at the end of this podcast too. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, to wrap it up, Plapp and Johansson, Johansson do really, really well. Um, I think uh, he's done a lot of race days this year, like his most for a long time, because he previously was doing Olympics and stuff. They get caught with 800 meters to go. Why is that important? Because bike exchange, Alperson, and to uh, Israel, other teams use their lead outs or riders, like I don't know who Israel were going for, um, Einhorn? Let me look. Goldstein. They were using their lead outs, Yumbo a little bit, Bora didn't have too many numbers, and UAE had a lot of numbers. They've been the strongest team of this third week. Um, they have Oliveira. They have Soler. Apparently he said he was out out on the piss until 4am last night so maybe like he did a ripper lead out so he should probably continue doing that if he wants to be he could be a third last man uh, McNulty at Polance was pulling as well how do you think I don't know where did Bex go Benji do you think that's what it was do you think Plap killed Bex and then Groves was left with no one in the last 800 
I think so, because I swear with like three, three and a half kilometers to go, we got to this U-turn. By the way, these U-turns in this parkour, I fucking hate these U-turns, but they did play a decent role into the final when it comes to the peloton versus brake. Because like you said, the tempo is gone in the peloton, it's so stretched out after those U-turns, and it also takes more time for new domestiques to get to the front after these U-turns. And it also spends more time for these domestiques after these U-turns to get back to speed. Same with the riders in the breakaway, of course. Now... They almost got caught. I swear they were in the wheel of Plapp and Johansson with like 3.5 kilometers to go in one of the U-turns. But then Plapp came out of the corner better than the Domestique in the peloton. And there was a gap again. And I think Johansson decided to attack on the right side of the road then. And Plapp followed. Then the gap expanded a tiny bit again. And there was like 10, 15 meters again, 20 meters again. So after that U-turn that I mentioned, it's like it opened up again. So they kept that up until those 800 meters. And... It's during that time that I saw, like, one by one, these domestiques coming off the front, those domestiques in the peloton. And I think that's where the teams that were doing that work indeed got not necessarily sold. Like, they spent their energy there, spent their bickies, like you said back in the day. In the, <laughs> say that in the, now. <laughs> that is my, so, that's uh, one of my frequent phrases. <laughs> but, yeah, I think uh, I agree, basically. That whole... Uh, discussion point just to make uh sure that you know that i agree with your take it's uh it's like that i think for the domestiques in the peloton but when it comes to the sprint itself the preparation for it the strongest team to me seemed like trek had multiple riders still in the last kilometer right uh, yes and no like i think they uae were on in the front and uae were at the front in the stage roglic crash that pedersen won mcnulty these guys, okay, this isn't the Tour de France, even though the Tour de France, I mean, you, I might write a little primer on the death of the pure sprint train, but <laughs> UAE have had a good lead out here. And relative to the other teams, they have three guys, um, Milano and Ackerman. We don't know what's going on there. From what I can see, Milano has been told, you must sit in front of Ackerman, you may go for your own sprint, and that sprint will effectively lead out Ackerman. And Ackerman, you, if you can sprint from his wheel, you can sprint from his wheel. Um, un, unconventional, but it effectively, that is what a last man does. They just sprint early with yeah. their sprinter in their wheel. They just don't continue it for their own result often. Actually, they should tactically. Mercury often has. Um, so they go Soler. Oliveira does a magnificent job. And because they were caught with 800, when Oliveira finishes pulling and Milano kicks, it's like 250 to go or 300 to go. And the reason I say Trek weren't as strong is because Kirsch, and this isn't his fault, he isn't Edward Turns or Jasper Sturvin. He's the setup man. He's the last man here for Pedersen. He, you can see him try to bring up Pedersen from the wheel of Ackman because he's getting late here. And yeah. he can't because Milano's his 15 second is so much better than Kirsch's 15 seconds. And he can't bring Pedersen into anything but kind of air early. And then Milano starts his lead out, starts his lead out, keeps going, keeps going. Ackerman's in his wheel. I'm like, all right, Pascal, it's time to come out of the wheel because I can see the finish line from the front of the shot. <laughs> and he just never comes out of the wheel. Milano drifts from the right side of the road to the middle, straightens up a bit doesn't completely chop Pedersen and he wins the stage with Ackerman not able to come out of his wheel. I've never seen it. I've never seen anything like this before when I've been watching cycling. Um, 
it, it's different to a few examples. But yeah, how did you see this sprint, Benji and Milano, what he did? When it comes to Milano, it reminded me of that stage that you mentioned that Groves won. Um, in that specific stage, I swear that Degenkolb launched early and Milano launched next to Degenkolb basically and started sprinting, but Ackermann was not on his wheel. So he just kept on sprinting after his lead out itself. I swear he was launching from 400 meters that stage. And as a consequence, he ended up finishing fourth. And I think after that stage, the, the idea should have popped up in UAE's mind already of like, oh, this Milano guy, pretty fast. We've seen him in the past winning multiple stages. I think, uh, I don't know which race it was, but I swear he won like two or three stage in like a week, two years ago or three years ago uh, when he when he just signed for uh, for this team. And yeah, it became clear that day already that Ackermann was badly at positioning, but I swear in this whole Grand Tour also didn't really pop out as much as we would have anticipated after that victory in Polonia, for example. Now today... Milano does his lead out and the sprint afterwards and holds off Akramon and Peterson on the other side. I will say though, 100%, Milano moves to the left and deviates towards Peterson. And the only reason that it's not a dangerous situation is because Peterson sees that and moves to the left as well. So just because Peterson avoids the danger, the rule of the deviation rule cannot be applied, which is still an issue with the rule, in my opinion, because, yeah, like, I think this is relegation worthy, moving like that on the road. Um, said I was announcing a retirement. I'm <laughs> collecting my 30-year-old pension. I'm retiring from the relegation deviation police, um, at least for the rest of 2022. I just, wow, there's barely any races. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a Tom Brady retirement. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll, I'll do a holdout, leverage for some more money, and then I'll be back or whatever, some better terms. I'll be back in 23. Um, I just I can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> I just can't. Like We've said it a thousand times. It's what Benji said. Because Pedersen isn't quick enough, There isn't. he doesn't nearly chop himself or crash, so Milan doesn't get relegated. Should we have guys be sprinting in straight lines and have rules that encourage them to do that? Yes, that way people don't get crashed. But yeah, I just, I can't say it's a relegation. I just can't because it would be inconsistent with the rest of the whole year. So yeah, but in our ideal world, it would be. Yeah, in an ideal world where the rules are applied evenly across the board, it is a relegation. But We've seen crazy relegations already this year. We've seen moments that are crazy that are not relegated. It's impossible to decide. Like, imagine if the rules didn't exist and you had to guess from the races where rules were applied what the rule was. I have no clue what the rule was. Oh, no, it's easy. No, no, that's easy. <laughs> what? Was what? the guy going to win? Is was he it Bhani? Fa- is he famous? Does he speak English? Is he popular? Do people pick it up in the media immediately on Twitter? And um, does he actually have to, does he crash? That's a big factor. These are all very relevant to whether people get relegated, um, not the actual, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Anyway, the bigger, I think, <laughs> point is, should UA have been sprinting for Milano all along? Like, if Ack- this must be a bittersweet for Ackerman. You literally got beaten by your lead-out man <laughs> from his wheel. You couldn't Mate. get out of his wheel, and he won the sprint, and you're paid probably a lot more than him. That's got to be 
the most bittersweet team victory. I feel sorry for Ackerman. I also I think he's still in good shape, but this is tough. Yeah, like, like if, if, if I'm a sprinter and I see that my lead out is beating me twice in the span of a Grand Tour, I'm retiring, mate. Like, it's done. I can't handle this. Now, I don't want Ackerman to retire. He's done great things in the sport already. I remember that purple Chiclamino jersey in the Giro back in the day. I want them to continue that stuff, but this will be a hard day for him despite his teammate winning, and I hope that he takes a positive from it. And, like, there's worse sprinters in UAE. Like, they signed Hodge, and he hasn't done anything all year. I think he's been injured for quite a while. But he also wasn't going to do anything in the first place anyway. So, at least he was able to ride races this year. I think Ackerman is he still won a stage at Polonia. Yeah. I just I just think Milano is probably good enough to be a sprinter himself. He just won the stage in Madrid going for yeah. a million miles out. Um I would split them out and get someone else as a lead out for Ackerman because to be honest, like we I always say, Oh, Milano a little bit selfish, doing this and that. So well if if you know you are this good and you think you have the talent and you're young, like you should you should go for it yourself, yeah. especially if the other if the guy is not Philipson or Jakobsen cleaning it up. The only other example I remember from uh, I was told in our Discord before we recorded was of this happening, which was when I was but a mere child, was Stegman's in Tour de France stage two finished in Hent. We watched it before we started recording because this this is the only other time where almost the exact same thing happened because. Cavendish could have let Pozzato win in that Terreno Adriatico stage, um, but that was because there was a crash and he could have let him yeah. win. Here in 2007 in the TDF, Bonin couldn't get out of your man's wheel on quick step, and it's almost exactly the same. And they went 1 2 with the lead out man winning. Let us know down below, uh, historians, if you know of any other comparable scenarios. The top 10 was Milano, Pedersen, Ackerman, third, Turnison, Van Poppel, Groves, Wright, Tamino. Tamino 8th, Turner 9th, Bullens 10th, McClay 11th. Where's Tim Merlier? <laughs> I'm going to stop answering that question at this point. Like, the guy's positioning was Doc should go into the last kilometer. He was 30 wheel. The corner probably had an influence in it, but his position has been shit before it sprints this entire ground tour. So it's just that he's not brought to the position that he needs to be in. He needs Ricard, and Ricard's not there, and that's the answer to everything. He needs Ricard, and he's not going to have a quick step. So... Let's hope that Merlier has a Ricard person at quick step to fix his position before sprints because otherwise it looks like it won't be a good day. What's wrong with Bert van Leerberger? He'll be Bert, <laughs> Bert will be the man. He I'm not joking, he will be he'll be Bert. Uh Steinler's actually not too bad. Uh Steinler's a pretty good leader. Uh otherwise we will wrap up all the jerseys, etc. tomorrow. Uh fashion analysis of all the, you know people there afterwards i can't comment on um but yeah it's good to see sunny in madrid nice warm conditions good to see everyone's partners there the quick step team looked like they were having um it just is nice to see the guys happy after basically a month away and then probably two months beforehand training away from their family etc was nice to see um otherwise around the traps there was uh just quickly also check out our podcast wrapping up the entirety of the Ceratizit Challenge by Love Welter that we put up today. That was quite a good one, if I may say so myself. Um, otherwise, there was the GP de Formi, one of these 1.pro French races that put your hand up on the train or bus where you're listening if you knew that existed. Um, 
where Lotto, Bike Exchange, Arkea, Alpes and Quickstep, Total, Azure Desert, Trek were all there, um, but very important for Bex and Lotto for points. Arno de Lee, I understand, crashed, but yeah. apparently, according to the Lotto thing, not too serious, and you and Big Groenewegen. But I didn't watch it too closely, Benji. Groenewegen, you said he went from a million miles out. Yeah, he went for a million miles out. It's like... When it, I don't know the, the specific point this happened, but in the last kilometer with like seven, eight hundred meters to go, there was this corner where Oliver Nassen was doing the lead out ahead of uh, multiple lotto riders. And Nassen took that corner, but took it wide, as in he went first to the right, the lotto riders came around him, and then he went wide. So he kind of pushed riders off the wheel of lotto. So they had to kind of sprint to get back to the wheel. And Kroenewegen was on the left side of the road, so it got pushed even further. So... Because of that, after that, Kroenewegen had to move up on that left side, and I swear he went with like 350 to 375 meters to go on the left side, while at the front of the race we had Ewan being led out by the bust, and the bust perfect lead out in that sense, bringing Ewan to the spot that he needs to be in. But, well, I'm saying perfect lead out, but Ewan was left at the front quite early regardless. So Kroenewegen came around Ewan after going from way earlier, and basically sprinted in front of Ewan until Ewan came around again. And that's how the race was won by Caleb Ewan here at the finish line of GP for me. So, uh, yeah, Ewan did what he needed to do. He didn't start sprinting like crazy after the bus dropped him off a bit too early. But I think it was also because he noticed Kroenewegen come up at that point. But, yeah, UCI points, eh? That's a, that's a story of the day at this race, I'm guessing. 200 points for him, but it's 150 for Banks, so it's only a 50-point or so net gain on them. Uh, Israel, they're not scoring enough, and it's it's Ewan, like, I think he scored, like, 38%, 40% of his season's points in this stage today, more points than his second at Kerner, Russell Kerner, which is... Um, Yes, there's all that needs to be said, really. But I guess if he carries this form, Lotto have a chance as long as Arno de Lee is not injured. Uh, he yep. is key to their survival. But that's the news from today. Uh, there'll be the Montreal recap later this evening with me and Alejandro. Then Benji and I will be back with the full Vuelta recap tomorrow. There's probably some gloating to do. I believe it was maybe our most <laughs> successful from a stage-picking perspective Uh ever not that we track it but it felt like it so um i'll have to do the accounts for that this evening to make sure that is correct but i hope you enjoyed it and all the recaps thanks to zwift as always and we'll see you with that tomorrow ciao selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.